Hi, I'm Kate. And I'm Mandy. And this is Love Sober, the podcast for the sober and sober curious. Hi there and welcome back to Love Sober the podcast and this is episode 80 and not only that but it's our two-year Love Soberversary today so we're super super excited about that it's really sort of incredible really that it's crept up to two years I can't believe it Um, and so we're really delighted today because um, we've got a huge kind of really way back to when we first started getting sober back in the beginning a huge inspiration and kind of game changer for both of us actually um his book was kind of a seminal book for both of us so we're really delighted to have our our friend now William Porter uh on the pod with us today so uh hi guys how are you doing very good thank you thanks for inviting me Oh, pleasure. Kate, how are you doing? Yeah. Oh, thank you. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm all right. I'm tired. I'm having one of those. You know, last week when we talked about the up and down day? Yeah. The like you were having a kind of a tigger day, like up and down and up and down. And I've been the same because I went for a really long walk with my daughter again. We've been sort of like, instead of homeschooling we've, I've been doing home forest schooling which is basically just us going out for a really long walk and then coming back and doing absolutely nothing and I'm really tired and then my really really lovely friend I've got to give a shout out to Sarah Sanderson because I think this time last week well, when we did our last um podcast I was like oh my friend's gone into hospital she's having a baby and she had the baby last night Aww. and she's had a little girl. My dear, dear friend, Sarah Sanderson, has had a beautiful baby girl. So so that obviously that, that was like I was in floods of tears, Aww. like most of the afternoon because of that. And yeah, so. Why? Because she had a baby. Nutter today. <laughs> yeah, because she's had a baby and she's something in the picture and we've been talking to Aww. each other. Her husband can't be there because of like coronavirus she's in hospital mm. so she's had to go through the whole thing on her own and um you know the mid the Lincolnshire midwives have apparently been great but um yeah so so it's just been a bit of a journey so, yeah, yeah. so I'm all right just a bit of a nutter as usual <laughs> but I'm super excited to talk to William as well and um yeah because your your book Alcohol Explained was just like the science link for me to just go ah okay right and some of I'll pull out some quotes during the um the podcast of things that you wrote that I still think about now so we're so excited so thanks for coming on and coming to our birthday party (laughs) (laughs) so yeah so how's things for you William in in uh confinement you're a dad obviously so yeah, ups and downs, really. I mean, I'm, I'm hugely lucky in that my day job is safe. So obviously, I, I work apart from my stuff in the alcohol free world, I, I have a completely unrelated job. And I'm really lucky because it's, it's there, and I'm still doing it, albeit working from home. So I count myself extremely lucky. Um, but so my wife works as well, but she's still in the office. So during the day, I'm at home with my two sons of seven and nine. So I'm trying to work and school them so yeah, it, yeah it's, it's not easy and um yeah, yeah. Uh, a different we feel your pain to be honest and um yeah <laughs> today was one of those days and there we go yeah. yeah 
Yeah, we rise. We rise again <laughs> to yeah, battle yeah. again. Yeah. I mean, but I, and every time we... Sorry, go on. No, no, I was going to say we, we do a similar thing in that I, I get the boys up at um, seven, so we set alarms as normal, but we go out over the park on our bikes for an hour, hour and a half in the morning. So that's kind of a good start to the day. Um, and I've found when they've, had, when they've sort of run around a bit, they're a bit more pliable, more likely to sit down and do some work. But still by mid-afternoon, things are sort of disintegrating, shall we say. So like today, right, yesterday, my um, so we, we decided that we were all getting a bit out of routine over the weekend. And my daughter over the weekend was like, right, she'd re- she's like a proper, she'll be really into spreadsheets, man. So you'll get Amazing. on really well with Ella when she's, when she's older. And um, so she was like all full of these kind of plans and kind of fitness goals. So we were like, right, this is why we've been like going on these really, really long walks. Um, and so today I was like, right, what are our fitness goals today? And she just did that real eye roll and was like, don't call them fitness goals. So I was like, she called them fitness goals. So I was like, all right, then should we just go for a walk then? She's like, yeah, okay. Like probably pulled a teenager on me. She's only nine. It's like, oh. Um, but yeah, I relate to that, the sort of deterioration over the day, definitely. Yeah, yeah we had quite a good uh, kind of, because we, like in France, obviously, we haven't been allowed out at all. So the idea of we're not, we haven't been allowed out for more than an hour. So you have like a, either on your phone or like a printed piece of paper and it has the time that you left the house. And so if you get controlled by the police and you're out for longer than an hour, then you get fined. So that finished yesterday. So that was really exciting. Um, because we live in um like in a private apartment in a hotel and the hotel's been closed for the period of confinement so two months and my kids had basically taken over the hotel as their massive playroom so it was it was like a brilliant kind of compromise because they would just go around there and run around all the hallways like in the reception you know like that was like their play area but because now they're kind of getting the hotel potentially to reopen in mid-July they're doing loads of work so they can't go out so it was just that we had about two days where it's like oh but now they can go out we can go out with them the beach is still closed but we can go out for more than an hour yeah it's very weird and when you talk about that I think of The Shining I think of that hotel in The Shining yeah it's quite scary like going out there when the the few times that I've been out you know in the evening it's like oh well no I don't like I just shut the door and pretend we don't actually live in an empty hotel (laughs) it's quite weird but it's it's amazing how little things kind of change the fact that I don't have to like remember my you know, attestation. I don't have to have like it signed with the right time on and stuff like that. Just that going has like hugely lessened the stress. It's just like, oh, I can go out. I can go out. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, um, so um, yeah. So let's stop waffling, actually, <laughs> and actually talk to you because it's about you today. <laughs> So we always sort of start by asking our guests just to sort of tell us a little bit, if you don't mind, about your journey to becoming alcohol free and what brought you to that decision. Yeah, sure. So I I was always a binge drinker. So I kind of I would get absolutely hammered on Friday and Saturday nights. And that's pretty much And to be honest, I never really got in the habit of drinking during the week. I mean, I used to do it when we were on holiday and 
on odd occasions I'd go out during the week, but I was mainly a weekend drinker. Um, and then I suppose not to go into too much detail, we'll be here all day, but I, so I was previously in the parachute regiment and I served out in Iraq um, quite a few years ago now, but that kind of escalated my drinking because one of the things when I assume it's the same now, but we did two months build up training before we went out there interspersed with sort of periods of leave. Um, and I kind of, whenever I wasn't training, I kind of treated the whole thing as constant weekend, if you like. So I was drinking heavily for the whole thing. Um, and then when I came up, I had two months decompression leave. So it was literally just two months with nothing to do. So I was just drinking pretty much all day, every day. Um, so that kind of, I suppose it was one of those things where I was just, I was drinking heavily when I drank and the opportunity to drink heavily just increased and increased and increased. And it, I, I always found it to be a bit of a one-way street. So when you start drinking very early in the day, it becomes easier and easier to do it the next time and the next time and the next time. And it, you, you find drinking kind of swells up um, and takes up more and more of your time. Um, and then I got married, had children and that I found to be quite a culture shock as well um, and I suppose having children puts a strain on any relationship but I think the problem with me is I then started to drink emotionally mm. so whenever we had an argument which to be honest when you've got kids and you're both tired and stressed it's regular I'd be drinking yeah. my way through it um, so that kind of and that's almost like throwing fuel on the fire anyway because I think when you're drinking, you're not the most rational person anyway, so you're probably even harder to live with, so it makes everything worse, and it just kind of becomes this horrific spiral. Um, and things came to a head in 2014, um, and my wife moved out and took the kids with her and basically put an ultimatum down of quit drinking or I'm not coming back, so I quit drinking. So that was the sort of the short story but to give a bit more background on it I started drinking and smoking when I was 14 um, and I stopped smoking when I was sort of I forget exactly when but it was late late teen early 20s I think it was just about when I got back from university I finally stopped smoking and I read Alan Carr's quit smoking book and I really liked it and I got quite into his stuff and I read most of his other books as well um, and I kind of, I think what I did, probably not consciously or certainly not deliberately, but I kind of applied his common sense and analytical take on smoking, but sort of applied it to my drinking over the ensuing 20-odd years that I continued drinking for. So yeah. It was kind of a process of just piecing. And you, you drew the parallels between them, I guess. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. 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 I think a lot of it, particularly for people on the inside, it just feels like this big, horrible thing that you can't get to grips with. And I think, what I mean, apart from all the other stuff he did, he, he sort of broke it down into understandable segments and kind of, I don't know, sort of took the magic out of it, didn't he? He kind of, you know, it yeah. wasn't the big thing that, you know, oh, it's really hard to quit. He just sort of broke it down into nice, easy segments. Yeah. Um, and I suppose I just took that mindset with me. Yeah, I mean, that's I, I definitely related. That was a real um, 
sort of cross-reference for me because I was a smoker too and that kind of you know and I, I read his book and I loved it and that you know I, I, I had that freedom from from smoking until I started again <laughs> and the yeah, second that's the thing. <laughs> and then the second time was a little well. little, little bit like, harder oh, no I started again and now the magic's broken and yeah then, oh no yeah it's never as easy the second time because I think I first came across his book when I was I can't remember when, but I remember stopping smoking when I was doing my A-levels. And then I obviously started again because, as I say, it was when I came back from university that I finally quit for good. So I think I was reading his book several times over a period of like three or four years before it clicked for good. And I read his, so he did the easy way, but he also did the only way to stop smoking permanently, which is like five times fatter than the easy way to stop smoking, goes into a lot more detail. So I kind of ploughed my way through that several times as well. Yeah, I um, but certainly when I kind of came back to it and every time, like I definitely was, you know, using those principles of like, you know, sort of that, that like looking outside of yourself and like, you know, you know, where do you want to be and what is it? Is it really, are you really enjoying it? Like what it, you know the taste all that sort of stuff when you start to break it down it's like no that's just and, and challenging rubbish. the story around it because I think that was what that what Alan Carr did so brilliantly was just go but it isn't all of the things that I thought it was because you know that I read I think I read it when I was probably 21 and yeah and just going oh it's drug and it's so funny, isn't it? Then you end up years later in in a similar thing with alcohol, doing the same. Mm, exactly. Yeah. 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 So, what would your tips be for people starting out? What are your kind of what what things helped you? Obviously, we've talked about that book. So, for me, the tips I would give are the exact things that I didn't do because I quit using. So the I, I think the knowledge I had allowed me to quit and I probably had, I don't know, 60, 70 percent of what is in alcohol explained at that time when I quit. So I did the sort of typical male stupid thing of just quitting and not reaching out for any help or anything. And of course, I was successful. So from that perspective, it was good in that I didn't drink. But I think I could have made it easier for myself by one, reaching out for help, and two, just, I think, getting involved in a bit more of the alcohol-free scene. Mm. I think one of the reasons I didn't do that is because I suppose at the time, and this is sort of six years ago, it was mainly AA, and I did go to AA a few times, and I really liked the people there. They were, you know, really genuine and really trying to help, but the programme just didn't really click with me. So I sort of just stopped drinking um, and just sort of carried on my life as it was which I think to be fair probably worked for some people but I think it, I think I could have gone about it in an easier way put it that way and I think these days there's so much more um, alcohol-free societies and resources out there that isn't just AA. Mm. I mean in the last yeah. few years there's so many more books and groups and podcasts um, it's very different now and I think there's a huge amount more but what my main tip would be just don't try and do it alone because you don't have to and it's not the easiest way of doing it yeah I really resonate with that because I that was a huge thing for me because I mean I both Kate and I you know we 
sort of quit initially around the same time as you, even before, actually. I mean, I initially quit in 2013. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah, me too. And um, and so we, we, you know, we used Soberistas, which at that time was, you know, the, I mean, it still is an incredible, incredible resource. One, right? Yeah. And there was that amazing thing about kind of being anonymous because it helped so much because there was so much shame and there still is for people, you know, I don't think that's gone away as lessening, but, you know, certainly when you're approaching it for the first time, it, there's, you know, all that fear of like people finding out and people thinking you've got a problem and people, you know, thinking you're an alcoholic and all that stuff. And and so Soberistas was incredible for that, but because I didn't sustain it and because I had no real friendships or kind of new people face to face, there was that it was easier to sort of disappear, you know, which I yeah. did, you know, I did a year and then I kind of went back and, I, you know, I started again and then I disappear and then I come back and apologize and disappear until, until a point where I was like, right, I actually need something different now because I need that accountability of putting my face to it and really making friends because I'm, a, you know, a social person and that was really important for me. So that was, you know, when I went back when I sort of stopped completely in 2017, you know, Club Soda, um, groups online, Facebook groups, Instagram was the game changer for me because it was like, right, I'm actually really making friends now, not just kind of, you know, getting secret help. <laughs> as it were. So. That's probably out, isn't it? Yeah, well. yeah. But I, I guess you, was... you need all those things, don't you, for your different parts of your journey, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, I think I took, see, that's what I did because I had young children. Um, and so my friends, all, all, all the people I was usually drinking with had young children as well. So we were kind of not going out anyway. And I sort of just quit drinking and just didn't go anywhere or do anything. But that kind of fitted in with my lifestyle anyway, because as I say, I wasn't going out an awful lot anyway, because you, when you have young children, you don't. Um, and I kind of got a bit lazy with it. Um, and obviously now with lockdown, it's happened again. <laughs> you can't go out whether you want to or not. I kind of, and I know one of the tips people say is, you know, if you don't want to go out, don't. But I equally, I would say, don't fall into the habit of not going out just because you're avoiding socialising sober. Because I think it's one of those things that the more you do it, the better you get at it. Um, yeah, and it's taking that pride, isn't it? It's like there's nothing to be ashamed about. So, you know, when you're kind of hiding away, it's like, why? It's like, what's the mindset behind it? If it's really because, you, you know, you're a natural people pleaser and you go to things that are quite toxic for you and, you know, actually it's a really positive thing to say no, then wicked. But if it's because you feel like ashamed or that you stick out or that you're different or you're not cool or whatever, then it's like, no, like go prove them wrong because you're you're still you you just don't you know drink a drug anymore <laughs> yeah, exactly yeah that's it the thing that I think that one of the key things so that you said was that you know there's the variety now and the people can actually work it out how they have the space and there is more respect as well you know for um and sort of pride in the community kind of thing um, and if you, you know, if you are a p parent of young kids and you can't get out still, there are all of those online things. But if you are 
you know, I'll, I'll hopefully obviously touch with after lockdown, you know, the things like the club soda and sober and social and, and whatever, that you can actually go out and have a, a sort of a roaring social life. And that wasn't the case seven years ago, and certainly not for men, because Soberistas was very female-based. I only knew two men on there. Mm. And it's got, like, how many? 140,000 members and, like, two blokes. So, you know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so what about, but what, what's some, um, then, you know, you talked about things that you might might do differently, and obviously it's... it's this is a, a a learning curve, isn't it? It's a, it's a journey. So, what area of personal growth has been sort of the most profound for you? Would you say? I think for me, um, it's probably parenthood, which is strange because I, I kind of so obviously you've read how Col explained it. It is very insular, so I don't go much into how your drinking affects other people. It's very much what you personally get out of it. And I think I even mentioned parenthood in, I don't know if I actually mentioned it in the first book or not, but I, I looked at it very much that, you know, parenthood is this one opportunity. And if you're drinking, you're not enjoying it because you're tired and you're grouchy as opposed to, you know, energetic and actually enjoying it. So again, that was very much from the parent's perspective. But one of the, I suppose, one of the things that didn't dawn on me until a long time after I'd quit drinking was... um I suppose the example you're setting for your children as well. Um, so I think, yeah, for me, the the biggest thing is being a father. That's the biggest area of growth because, you know, okay, so <laughs> today wasn't the best of days, but it would have been twice, three times, four times bad if I was drinking because yeah. I would have already been grumpy before I'd even started the day. And going back to, you know, saying that, you know, we try to get out every day on bikes, you know, if I was drinking, and I'm not talking about getting absolutely hammered, just having one or two drinks, I wouldn't be sleeping properly. And, you know, the first opportunity would come along, I wouldn't bother going out and everything would just impact from that. And I also, I do genuinely believe that human beings project their emotions. So especially with children, they pick up on your emotions. So mm. if you're grumpy and tired and bad tempered they start getting grumpy and bad tempered and you're kind of sniping at each other and if you're in a funny mood they pick up on that so I think not drinking I'm now probably in a more positive mood 80% more of the time than I was then mm. so it's just giving them just a better experience of childhood not having someone who especially with lockdown they're stuck with me <laughs> 24 hours a day they <laughs> get away so having someone that's just bad tempered and grumpy as a you know apart from four hours of the day when I'm drinking but then I'm sat on a sofa staring at the tv having a parent who's you know jumping up and down and going out with them on bikes and doing stuff I think it's just a better experience and it's better for them and of course then I'm enjoying it more as well um and, you know not to be too much for cliche but you know being a parent is a fairly precious thing um some people yeah. get better with others and I don't think I've taken to it the best out of all human beings on the planet but I don't want to make a pig's ear of it any more than I have to yeah well I mean it's uh, we're yeah perfectionism is is the enemy really isn't it when none of us are 
going to be none of us are going to rock it 100 percent. that's for sure and I guess it's also that thing we were we were sorry to Kate but just because you you missed the the call with uh when we talked about Nakoa the other day because we did the call with um the sober sessions yeah yeah. and um and that was quite I saw that you were quite that you know had quite an impact on you I suppose having that conversation and and seeing that perspective of like actually yeah we have an impact not only on us ourselves as drinkers but as you know how that impacts on our kids and us mm. being non-drinkers is is a very very positive impact and growing space for them growing up um so yeah. Yeah. it's a funny one isn't it because what I was that does link into what I was going to say actually in that I feel like when we when we go into the sort of parenthood conversation it's almost like the early days of sobriety like that oh let's not offend people too much or we can't really you know we don't want to make people feel uncomfortable and I do think there's that that it's like quite an uncomfortable area for people um there's a lot of you know potential shame around it um there's I know you know that I see it a lot on the on the sub community as well you know there's a lot of regret Mm. there's a lot of Mm. Um, feeling of you know if yeah I, I I think I think I suppose it's it's the shame thing and also then for people who are so curious or even people who are still drinking um you know that the honest parenting movement as well and people's right to do whatever they bloody well want because aren't we working so hard it's like a pit of vipers going near this subject I, d- I don't know what you guys think about this in in terms of uh, that people can get very protective over their drinking, do you mean? Yeah, just in a, in a way to be able to have this conversation without becoming across as holier than thou, mm. uh, preachy, without upsetting anyone, but also calling bullshit effectively on it and kind of going, well, actually, it is a really serious issue. You know, it's it's a really really laden and weighty subject, isn't it? Yeah, I think you're completely right, but I think the the problem is all you can do at the end of the day is be honest. And I, I so I, I've been a parent drinking and I've been a parent not drinking. Okay. All I can say is honestly that there's no comparison for me in terms of how I would be the better parent. Um, someone, I remember someone messaging me once saying she'd read the book and quit and she was very happy, but she'd gone on holiday and, and again, she was fine going on holiday, not drinking. It was all good. But the one thing she missed was she said her, I think her partner would start drinking at like four o'clock or so. And that was like his silly time with their children. Mm. And I remember thinking then my silly time is all day with them, particularly when we were on holiday. I'm just sort of going nuts all day. And I think that's that's one of the problems with it. People can understand on an academic level that alcohol increases your anxiety and makes you tired and then relieves that anxiety and they can sit there and nod and say yes yes that's fine but they struggle to to apply it to their actual lives and to think you know what it is changing me it's making me tired or more grumpy during the day and because when they drink that's when they get the relief from that tiredness and anxiety and grumpiness they find it very hard to on a deep level to appreciate the actual effect it's having on them yeah that's so true that's so true because I mean and also that I mean I was 
very serious as a drinking parent because I was trying to like unconsciously I was trying to control something all the time you know I was like Mm. you know shall I shan't I will I won't I am I going to get some wine am I going to have some wine no I'm not no I said I wouldn't oh but yeah oh I'm tired like that whole kind of you know mind brain drain that's going on constantly that you know I was very very serious and I'm so and and also I think because I I kind of my self-worth was so low that any self-worth I had I was kind of grabbing hold of and very protective of so I was like well at least you know I'm going to control and sort of have control of the situation and now it's just like I don't have to do any of that and I'm so much freer as a parent and much sillier and my you know, to the point they're rolling their eyes like, seriously, mummy, that it astounds me, you know, I'm like, my God, because, yeah, I, there was so much kind of like angst there, which is just not comparable. You're absolutely right. And I do think, I mean, also like the, what I was going to say, there's the other thing that I see in the sober community is I've seen, I've seen some posts, uh, I'll say, about like you know this kind of like it ends with me and that I'm like um and that there's obviously joy in that but I also think sometimes it doesn't and sometimes you can't control that do you know what I mean it's like you you might be having a great parenting experience you might not as well like you might be they may be having difficulties they may you know like I've got a difficult situation at the moment, you know, and that's around neurodiversity and extra needs. And it's like, um, but there is that kind of bottom line to it that you know that you're doing your best somehow. And that goes a hell of a long way. Yeah. I mean, so it's not about perfect, but it is like, okay, at least I I sort of have some sense of peace that whatever I do, it's going to be like, from a from a place that's not inebriated that that it's a place that's not angry because I'm hungover and it's yeah, yeah. that I am trying my best so yeah you know. that's exactly how I feel it's like I'm not a perfect father and I get things wrong but at least when I get them wrong I know it's not because I was drinking last night it's just yeah, <laughs> yeah and it's also that it's it's like an it, it becomes a rod for your own back, doesn't it? Because you're like, oh, I'm so shit. Like, I'm such a shit parent. I did this wrong. And then it's like that becomes that excuse to sort of drown your sorrows. So it's that kind of negative perpetual cycle. It's like it doesn't make that, you know, parenting easy or that you don't have a shit day, but it's not that kind of extra thing to kind of go, oh, I can't do it, so I'm just going to drink. It's like, oh, that was really hard, Mm. (laughs) you know? that's where it stops kind of thing but at least I'm trying my best yeah. yeah yeah so what sort of things do you you know we talk a lot about self-care and kind of looking after yourself what sort of practices do you have to kind of manage your emotions I suppose and look after yourself so my main one is exercise so I really like trying to do some exercise first thing in the morning which I find works really well um because it puts you in a good mood and, you know, it releases endorphins and gets the oxygen pumping and all the rest of it, which is all well and good until you <laughs> hit mid-40s and get an injury, which I've got at the moment. So that kind of doesn't help things. 
Um, but no, that's my main thing. It's, it's exercise and just getting out of the house. I mean, obviously here in the UK, it's a bit easier because we were always allowed to exercise once a day anyway. And now it's, you can exercise as much as you like. So that's, that's my big thing. It's just be the hardest thing is being cooped up at home all day at the moment, just stuck in four walls. Um, <laughs> getting out is just hugely important, I find. Yeah. Can I ask you, Sam, as well? Sorry, William. <laughs> <laughs> um, sorry. Um, but I, I just was thinking about you and the parachute, you know, your parachute regiment and going off and doing tours mm. in, in Iran, did you say it was? Iraq. Do you think? Yeah, Iraq. Quite, yeah. Iraq. Sorry. Um, I, was think, I was just wondering if, you know, you feel like the for, life in the forces had an impact on your drinking. And also, if there was sort of any kind of, um, you know, but a lot, I've got um, a neighbour who was in the army, and he he has P- PTSD, mm. and um, and I just wondered if there was that if there was any element of that in your story. Yeah, do you think that that was significant? So this is an interesting one because absolutely yes. Um, and I used to get drunk and always harp on about a couple of incidents that happened in Iraq but funnily enough and this is this again brings me on to the sort of the point I was making before having now stopped drinking I find I'm not constantly worrying about them anymore and I kind of they just sort of faded into my past and that's it Um, and I used to have a lot of nightmares and I still get nightmares but not half as regular as I used to and in fact months and months go by usually without me having a nightmare and I usually only get them now when something specific is happening to cause me additional anxiety but so so the answer is yes but again I think alcohol was making it worse than it actually was and having stopped drinking I think it's all but dealt with if you see what I mean Um, and I think that goes back to the old thing of just you know you can't deal with things as well when you're suffering from post-drinking anxiety Um, and I think when you're you know constantly poisoning yourself and constantly trying to paper over the cracks it just doesn't particularly work so it's yeah I think that's a really sort of key I don't know it just seems like that's a message that probably a lot of people a lot of men aren't getting in a way you know that it's very. I mean, my my father was in the forces, and they were given. I mean, he was in the navy, and was kind of they were given a tot of rum as part of their kind of payment. I mean, we're going back yeah. like decades, but definitely there was that kind of macho drinking culture, and that sort of that you did it to help deal with a difficult situation and deal with the trauma and being away from your your loved ones and your wives and your families, and also co- coping with with the stress of uh, and, and the kind of assault on your nervous system of either training or, or being in a war, war situation. Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, so so I left the army in 2006. So, you know, it's coming up to like 15 years ago. But even then, I have to say, the support was fairly good. And they had people you could talk to if you wanted to. Um, but I just, I suppose people, you don't, you just, you just don't bother. You sort of get on with things a bit. Um, and again, I suppose that goes back to what I would, you know, what, what I was saying before. It's, it's very easy to just get on with things on your own. Whereas actually it's not 
the best way of doing things a lot of the time. A lot of the time it's just worth asking for help. Because at the end of the day, things like stopping drinking, it's a journey. And if you're going on a journey, if you can speak to someone who's been on the journey, they can point out the best route. It's as simple as that. You're, you're just yeah. making things far easier for yourself if you get a bit of help and advice. Yeah, um, and that's really interesting what you're saying about kind of trauma, because obviously trauma is something that I am very interested in and the kind of correlation between, you know, trauma and sort of problematic drinking and you know if you obviously if you look into the kind of army any sort of forces there are huge problems with like addiction and that's partly Mm. because of that kind of um yeah that not getting help that kind of sort of suck it up be a man you know or woman or whatever and 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 sort of not having that kind of support system or not thinking that they need to and again like I've got a friend who's a fireman you know and he's the amount of trauma is incredible you know but and he he has you know he can go and get support but it's like there's this big big block for him doing that you know it's like no I can't you know so it's 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 very challenging I know you've started a group haven't you for for people yeah Yeah, for for military yeah for people in the military all of four members at the moment or something ridiculous but it's there anyway so yeah if people start joining it hopefully it'll pick up at some point but yeah Yeah. I think that's brilliant and it's a real kind of key area and you know I know especially sort of having friends in the US that that's you know that it's a real problem area and and there's not enough being talked about you know in that kind of trauma sense um yeah I was thinking that when I was thinking about like you know obviously we're doing the sober sessions together I think that would be really interesting to explore that and to talk a bit more about that you know in terms of the trauma the forces the support the culture you know mm, yeah I know just from talking to my next yeah. door neighbor I I'm really I was really aware of him and how much he well, like never stops working, never stops building. He's completely awesome. He's now a fireman. But there is that trauma story and there is that almost like there's still there's still work to be done. <laughs> there's work. Um, yeah. Yeah, and I think um also it's the it's the so what- the kind of wives that, you know, we've we've got a couple of army wives in our group, I know. You know, and so they're dealing with their their husbands that have come back, you know, with PTSD, but also they've been left alone with the kids, you know, so that, that I think there is quite a lot of kind of, yeah, problem drinking going on there for, for the wives as well. So it's definitely an area that needs mm. looking at. Yeah, it's a strange one because it's transitioning back that's the huge thing. It's less what you do and see out there and more, it, it's, it's a, it, in many ways, it's a very comfortable I know this sounds really weird, but it's a very comfortable existence because you know exactly what you have to do day to day. You've got a really specific task. You're with the same people all the time. Um, And then you come back to civilian life and it's just really different. People act differently. They're not as reliable. You know, they moan about the most ridiculous things. And it is really hard coming back, especially when you then leave the military completely and go into complete civilian life. And I remember just like, standing in queues in shops and you know people just there's no sense of urgency no kind of 
reliability or anything and it is yeah it's infuriating it's really a quite a difficult transition to make we've just asked you haven't you what plans and projects you've got coming up so and you said not not many yeah, not, so what <laughs> no, <sorry. laughs> i like your style well we can't can we at the moment it's like well actually i'm just gonna homeschool my children and try not to go completely mad uh, <laughs> yeah no, it, is, it is like literally at the moment i just feel like i'm as i say limping from day to day just getting through each day as it comes and just waiting for things to change it's a bit strange at the moment so yeah difficult to make many plans and so if you had one tip for people um what would it be so i would say um if it's to do with stopping drinking i'd say reach out for help and speak to people if it's to do just generally i would say to get out and do some exercise just get out of the house and try and find some nature and just get some ground under your feet brilliant and what would be your reason to love sober so for me, it's just about um, a, just a hugely improved quality of life. It's just, it's incomparable and you have to sample it, I think, to, to really try it, to really experience it and appreciate it. But, but it is just in every aspect, just life being better. When do you think for you was like, when would you say for people like, okay, like after this period, it's going to get a bit easier? Because obviously, you know, it's hard work at the beginning. So when was a bit of, when are you kind of like, okay, I got this? I, it's a difficult one. I think there's, there's a period, certainly one of the most difficult periods is the actual physio- physiological and chemical reactions that you go through at the beginning. And I think getting through that, and there is a point, a lot of people experience this when they the brain chemistry finally gets back to something resembling normal and they have a good night's sleep and just wake up feeling better than they have done since they ever started drinking, even when they were actually drinking. You know, it it is just the best feeling. So I think that's something to look forward to. Um, The other, I mean, it's very hard to put time periods on it, but I think a year is a big one. And the reason for that is when you've done a year, you've done everything. You know, you've done Christmas, you've probably done a holiday, you've done birthdays. Um, So I think that's a really big one. Um, But then I think as well, there's a period that usually comes after a couple of months where you start to build up because I think you've got your brain chemistry back at that point and you've probably started to do enough that you can start seeing your life going forward without having alcohol in it and that's quite a sort of enlightening and wonderful feeling because it is difficult when you're drinking to imagine the entire rest of your life without drinking but I think there's a, there is a period where you suddenly hit it and you just suddenly think actually you know what not only can I do this but I'm going to really enjoy it yeah I love that I love that. I remember just sort of, you know, sort of thinking back to that, just feeling like every day was like pushing a boulder up a hill for those first few weeks. And I used to sort of read on sober forums, people going, oh, you just stop thinking about it after a while. And I was like, I so won't. Like, (laughs) just it it will never be me. And then suddenly it was like, oh, okay. And the wine, which getting quieter and quieter and, yeah it's 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 so I think it's yeah so nice to remember that you know yeah yeah a lot of it is experience as well because you I think again you can you can appreciate on an academic level why life is better not drinking 
but you need a bit of time experiencing it before you really appreciate it, I think. Yeah. There's a sort of faith involved, isn't there? It's a leap of faith, really. Absolutely. You feel like you're just being kind of good in the beginning, and then you realise that you're happy a bit later on. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> like you're giving, and that's you know, really hard for rebels. Yeah, <laughs> it really is, because you've got yeah. that whole, like, I'm being it's boring, like, this is, uh, I'm <laughs> being good, and then it's like, oh, actually, being yeah, good is like something to revel in, not like to re- rebel against, you know. Mm. It's hard to change that kind of headedness mindset where, when, you know, for me it was like, live for the moment, we might die tomorrow, like, way, let's party. And then it was like, I'm going to go to bed at 10 o'clock and look after myself. It was like, what? This is a, a weird transition to go through until I could flip it and be like, actually this is the most rebellious thing I can do because yeah. everyone else is still yeah, getting wasted and I'm not you know so we've come to the end and it's been lovely to speak to you William thank you for sharing our birthday with us thank you for inviting me what a great so day to nice. be on as well Your birthday. yeah excellent Aww. So if you're um so William's book we will uh link them both is Alcohol Explained and Alcohol Explained Two and they really are brilliant. They explain the science behind it and it's really great for understanding the nuts and bolts of what's going on in your in your mind. So I know that you you can get them from Amazon, is that right? Yes, yeah, they're on Amazon, yeah. Brilliant. So you just search that, but we'll put the links underneath and if you're immediately concerned about your um drinking please do reach out so Bristol still has the um anonymous ask the doctor service um alcohol change has agencies of local support if you're in the uk the she recovers you can come to our sober sessions as well on saturday at four that's a facebook group that you'll need to search and um in the meantime uh have a really good week and we'll see you next week for more chat so just stay safe bye